Welcome. This is David Barris, president of the American Association of Bank Directors. Our guest today is Ethan Heisler. Ethan is the senior director for strategy at Kroll Bond Rating Agency. He's the editor of the Bank Treasury Newsletter, a monthly publication directed to financial institutions at the treasury level. He was a managing director in fixed income sales and headed up Citibank's uh, Treasury Resource Group. Before that, he was the staff director of bank analysis at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. Ethan will address the inflation and rate hike outlook, what impact it might have on banks, and questions bank directors should be asking management on strategy and expenditures on technology. All right, let's call Ethan. Ethan, um, we have a lot of questions for you. Uh, The inflation uh, prognosis is on the table. Uh, We want to learn more about where that's going, what may happen, and what impact it will have on banks and bank directors. And so let's let's start off and ask you uh, for a timeline for the Fed on rate hikes and quantitative tightening. Sure. Thanks, David. And by the way, thank you very much for having me on this. It's uh, good to do. The the expectation, what's been telegraphed to the market, is that we will see somewhere between three to four hikes in 2022. And um, what's notable here compared to past rate cycles is that the Fed's uh, ceiling for rate hikes is probably more limited than what we even saw uh, the last time the Fed was raising rates. So if you remember, the Fed started raising rates the last time in December 2015 uh, at the FOMC meeting and continued raising them uh, to uh, the Fed funds rate hit a target range of two to two and a quarter percent. Uh, as of the December 2018 FOMC meeting, at that point, the Fed did a pause. And as we all remember, by the summer, the Fed was actually cutting rates even before COVID, before we got back to zero in March. Um, so this time around, uh, and, and that, and that uh, ceiling was, at, that, that, that peak on, on the Fed funds rate was actually uh, half of where the Fed funds target range had gotten to the last time the Fed was raising rates through uh, the uh, middle of 2006 when they got up to five and a five to five and a quarter percent. So, um, you know, the expectations just get back to the clarity here is that the point to think about is, you know, we've got maybe three to four hikes now. Uh, the market's Bank management's expectations are that maybe we'll see a few more in 2023. And they also expect the Fed, and this has also been telegraphed to the market, that the Fed will start to shrink its balance sheet sometime in the next, uh, during the second half of this year. And it will shrink its balance sheet not by selling securities from its portfolio, uh, but actually just letting securities run off. What are your prospects then for uh, forever if we're in 2022? Uh, what's the ceiling? Will the Fed be fighting inflation by deep mid-year shape of the yield curve? You know, curve? it's so hard to tell. But you know, David, it's so hard to tell. 
because we've just lived in a, you know, there's a lot of views out there of what the, what's going on in the market. But we, we have to all admit that the supply chain issues brought up by COVID um, could, may go away or may cause lasting damage. But the Fed's capacity to see visibility here is constrained just because of, let's call it, the fog of COVID, COVID fog. <laughs> but um, and no offense there, but I, I think that you know, as far as you know, what's the Fed going to be doing here? Where is it going? What's when we went into before the end of this year, before the end of last year, the expectation was the Fed was going to remain low for a very long period of time. Now we expect the Fed to maybe pick up rates to maybe be a little bit more aggressive in uh, uh, trying to slow the economic revival so that the supply issues come more in sync with the demand issues, which they're out of sync with now. Um, you know, what, uh, I, my expectation, my own personal, and I think the Fed's expectation, what they're seeing is they're, they're still expecting inflation issues to moderate by this summer. So, for example, you currently play, pay close to nearly $4 a gallon for gas. Uh, I don't think anybody among your board members really believes that by this summer we'll be paying $8 for a gallon for gas. So if that's the case, you know, maybe gas may goes up a little bit more. But, you know, from a year-over-year -year comparison, what we've seen with 7%-plus CPI in the U.S. as recent prints Maybe much closer to a three, three and a half, which is still higher than where the Fed wants to go. But the Fed has also, I think this is also important to think about, you know, the Fed uh, has a new monetary policy where they look for an average over a period of time in terms of their inflation targets and in terms of uh, uh, maintaining that uh, those inflation targets. If, if inflation in the Greenspan era, for example, went um, uh, shot above two percent, Greenspan was already on it, reducing, you know, raising interest rates to cool the economy. The Fed's current philosophy is that inflation, because it has run so far below where it is, you know, that two percent range, that the Fed could afford to allow inflation to run hot for a period of time. Um, now they're a little bit backtracking on that. Perhaps there's political pressure related to that. Perhaps there's just, um, you know, the Fed itself is starting to doubt what it really is seeing here. Again, I, I, I attribute that to COVID fog, if nothing else. Um, so I guess that, that, that the final point is uh, market economists generally believe that the inflation moderates by mid-year. If it doesn't moderate by Bitgera, I think we might see a much more significant change in the tone of the market. Because you can see even now with real interest rates that they have uh, increased. But you know, they, they, in, real interest rates are still basically at zero. They were negative. So this kind of shows you that the Fed, you know, the, the market expects the Fed to contain inflation. But again, that, if that changes, if that outlook, we don't see that by mid-year, I think that that will 
that, that that might upset the market in a way that I don't think is priced in right now. So, uh, Ethan, does COVID still matter in the future of the economy? And could you also discuss the last jobs uh, data? Yeah, I, I think COVID still matters, Dave. I mean, we don't know the future of this pandemic. The, uh, you know, the 1918 flu, you know, Spanish flu after World War One uh, lasted three years, not two. So, you know, they didn't have the, the advantage of vaccines, uh, but uh, we have, we're still playing behind the ball here on, on fighting this. And um, so far it looks like the economy, that people have given up caring about COVID if nothing else and are going back to work. Companies are trying to get their employees to come into the office now. Uh, there's a, a, a real push towards normalcy. I could tell you I live out on Long Island. Uh, try to get a restaurant reservation now on a Saturday night. Good luck. Uh, you got to still you got to book that like it was in the past. So people are coming back out. Um, does it matter if we? I thought that it would stop mattering last spring, and it clearly became a bigger issue. Um, but I think when you look at the jobs data, I think it shows you that maybe. COVID's impact on the economy is starting to wane in 2022, which I think is also part of the Fed's calculation that they could afford to start to raise rates. We shouldn't discount the value of $5.5 trillion of stimulus money either, you know, because that stimulus money punches a powerful, is a powerful punch for the economy, lifting it up. Um, I, I, I wrote a piece a while back talking about after World War II, you know, during World War II, the United States, United States spent the equivalent of about two and a half trillion dollars. Um, you know, no, sorry, they spent the equivalent of five and a half trillion dollars, roughly equivalent to today's dollars of what the Fed just fit between the federal government and the Fed uh, in terms of stimulus. And they spent that on World War II, you know, in other words, bombs, bullets, stuff that ended up rusting and is gone. It was junk after World War II. Let's admit that. Yet, for 25 years after World War II, the United States and the rest of the global economy went through an economic boom. And that was largely, that was largely I think, attributable to that stimulus that was spent on stuff that ended up being worthless, uh, but got respent and respent. Uh, so we have stimulus money that's circulating around the U.S. economy now. Some of it was well spent. Some of it we could say was poorly spent. But the fact that the stimulus money has been created will remain a powerful force of economic growth for many years to come, I think. We'll see. Draining reserves, uh, I think uh, Fed reserves, may slow deposit growth. Uh, or may not. Uh, what, what, what impact does the Fed's strategy there have on deposit growth yeah. and the banking industry? Yeah, I, I mean, that's been the number one question that analysts have asked uh, bank managers in this last quarterly calls. You know, what's going to happen? If the Fed's going to do quantitative tightening later this year, it's going to start to let its balance sheet shrink. How is that going to impact deposits? Because we know that the Fed's expansion of its balance sheet increased deposits in the banking system. And for every bank out there got more deposits, and those deposits 
are somewhat attributable. You know, it's also attributable to people saving more, people leaving more cash in the bank. There's been a lot of demographic trends here that are important. But one of the drivers of the deposit growth has been the Fed's expansion of its balance sheet. So if the Fed starts to shrink its balance sheet, the natural question is, will that mean that the, the Fed's balance sheet, the, Fed, the, the bank deposits will also start to shrink? Historically, if you look back over the last 100 years, deposit growth has actually never slowed. or It's never gone negative, at least not consistently over months. Uh, at most, it's flattened out. It's slowed down. But it's always been growing, just like the rest of the banking system. Um, so our, I think people's expectations are that, and that deposits will start to slow in terms of their growth as we as the Fed starts to shrink its balance sheet. Um, but keep in mind, the hope is that banks are also going to be making loans. And we know from Banking 101 and Money and Banking uh, 101 that uh, when banks make loans, that also increases deposits, which, by the way, is part of money supply. So, you know, if there's lending, it's probably going to – I think what banks are hoping for is that deposit growth slows. And why is that important? Because, you know, you, your, your members are sitting there and looking at the profits of the, and the budget for this coming year and next year. And a lot of that budget, as we said in the very beginning, is predicated on the idea that the Fed's going to be raising rates. Um, but uh, the, the more deposits grow, the more it – presses down on that bank net interest margins, which also slow the ability or put significant headwinds on the ability of banks to expand net interest income, which will go towards paying hopefully higher dividends and share buybacks. So I guess that's the way to think about it. You know, we, 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 we don't see deposits slow, growing as fast as they did. We don't see them reversing. And um, the banks are going to have to work through those deposits to uh, start lending them out if their margins are going to start to revive and if their net interest income is going to start to grow. That's the, that's the job ahead. That's the expectation. We'll see. Yeah. Finally, Ethan, on um, big ticket items. So what comes to mind is technology spending. And given uh, what's going on, how do you view that and is it worth it? Yeah, well, again, that's, you know, Jamie Dimon calls tech spending that he's doing table stakes in many respects. So moving to the cloud, he's going to spend $15 billion this coming year on technology, $5 billion more than he spent last year. And every equity analyst wanted to know, how do I know if the marginal dollar that you're going to spend this year on technology is going to be as productive as the $10 billion, as the marginal dollar that you spent last year? And, you know, I don't think there's any bank out there, bank CEO, that can really answer that question. But I think it's a question that board members should be asking. Because, again, we've been just talking about, you know, how much what the budget's going to look like, what kind of revenues are going to look like. A lot of unknowns there. But those, 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 the, the profits that banks hope to make from lagging rates this time when the Fed starts raising rates and lagging rates in their deposit franchise – uh, that's the profits that are supposed to go towards paying dividends and share buybacks or, or in going into things like uh, uh, higher wages for, uh, or hiring coders, which is a, a, a big part of where banks are hiring now. 
or also uh, for big ticket items like um, moving your system to the cloud or or doing any of the other tech projects that um, I know a lot of consultants speak to your members about um, as technology that they must have. Uh, so that that's that's a big question. Uh, and you know what are the returns? One of the things I've been wondering about, you know, is you know banks tend to spend more money next year than the last year. Banks never seem to get the accelerated revenues from the technology. It's like every year I have to update the technology that's going to make me more efficient. But the fact that I now spent more money on new technology takes away from the efficiency of the revenues that I'm getting in this year. I, I think that's what I'm trying to say. But anyway, I, I, think, we, I, I think these are all topics that um, your members need to think about because that's, you know, what's the returns? I think or I don't think analysts, I don't think the, I don't think the equity markets are satisfied yet with the answers that they've got. Well, thank you uh, very much, Ethan, uh, for this discussion, and much appreciated, and we'll talk soon. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on, Dave.